Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, here solo this week. We have a quick and sweet one for you. We're going to talk just a little bit about the new Marvel television show on Disney+. Plus. We're talking, of course, about What If. And at the time of recording this particular episode, there have been five uh, that have come out and It has garnered quite a bit of positive buzz and reviews from people, and I will kind of break down what I think about it thus far, and then we're going to come back again once this particular season is finished, and uh, Richard and myself and potentially an extra guest or two may just dissect a little deeper into everything, but we're going into Gen Con uh, coming up here, and our time is somewhat limited, Uh, so let's just jump into it. So let's start with basically uh, the concept for a lot of people that aren't familiar with comic books. uh, Not everyone has that source. Uh, There was a comic book that this was uh, at least titled after, and if not completely based upon, called What If, that's been around for a very long time, where uh, writers and artists would get the chance to just play around with existing storylines and make some minor alterations to determine changes that they think would have occurred if things went in a slightly different direction uh, or sometimes just be silly. Uh, more often than not, the comic uh, was one shots. Uh, they, they were self-contained stories, sometimes multiple stories. Um, for example, they did uh, a single issue uh, quite some time ago. What if the Fantastic Four received different powers or all received the same power or received no powers? Uh, several stories contained within the same issue. There was usually not any sort of factor that tied everything together with the exception of Waitu or Watu, depending upon how you want to pronounce it, the watcher uh, that narrated the stories and was talking directly to the reader. Now, there were some exceptions. There were actually uh, some stories that tied between uh, the one shots later on, but that was the exception rather than the rule. So the television show seems to be following the same kind of format. Take the MCU as it stands, and what would happen if some small thing or maybe some large thing changed? Um, now, in a general sense, I just kind of want to address the uh, the art style. Uh, they're trying to, from what I can tell, keep a fairly consistent art style uh, in terms of the animation. I'm not sure I love it. Um, There are points at which I think it's kind of neat, but sometimes it feels just a little little off. Uh, I I can't quite put my finger on what it is about the animation style that bothers me sometimes. Maybe it feels like it's too much of, uh, almost feels too much like an attempt to be kind of like CGI, a low-grade CGI, or whether it's just too... um, it's not, it's not got enough detail. It's very, very uh, blocky isn't the right uh, word for it, but it's very simple in, in most respects. And that's generally a good thing. It, it, it allows for very uh, clear ability to follow the action, and I think most people will enjoy it. I know this is something that's just me. Most people really like this animation style. It's just something that just didn't quite sit where I wanted it to. Uh, Five episodes in, they have some very interesting uh, episode ideas. Uh, Obviously, uh, spoiler alert, if you have not watched the series yet, 
I will be talking about some details of each of the episodes. Uh, so uh, tread forward if you wish. Um, we start with uh, what if Captain Carter became uh, Captain America instead of Steve Rogers. Then we go with what if T'Challa became Star-Lord. Uh, followed by what if the Avengers were basically all assassinated before they could form. Uh, what if Doctor Strange went insane. Uh, they said, what if he lost his heart? It is what if he went insane? Uh, and then the uh, Marvel Zombies episode, which I was particularly excited about because the Marvel Zombies comics were a lot of fun. Um, one of the nice things, again, because this is done by Disney, uh, the voice actors that they got were the voice actors, or not the voice actors, but the actual actors and actresses. Uh, that played the original roles almost across the board. Now, obviously, The Watcher is um, a character that has only been glimpsed in kind of a uh, an after credit scene uh, uh, in one of the films. So no voice had been given to it thus far, but uh, they got Jeffrey Wright to do the voice. I'm a huge fan of Jeffrey Wright. He has a big history of... Uh, uh, just a lot of really neat shows he's been a part of, a lot of neat movies. Uh, I generally like his work. In this particular role, again, something is just slightly off. You know, I like his voice, but I think this is an instance where I read the comics. And much like people who read novels uh, or when you read comics, you tend to give voice to the characters yourself. And the voice that I have for that character does not resemble Jeffrey Wright's voice. So I, I think that's all that it is. It does not mesh with, with my uh, mind's eye and how I thought that it should sound. Um, I think that's probably pretty much it. I, I think they did a great job in, in being able to choose him because he's got, like I said, a, a great degree of experience and he's very good at what he does. Uh, the only... Um, the only individuals that they really couldn't get back, they couldn't get um, uh, Chris Evans for Steve Rogers. Uh, they couldn't get uh, uh, the Iron Man voice, and they couldn't get the the Black Widow voice. That that was going to be uh, voiced by uh, Josh Keaton. Did uh, Chris Evans' uh, part as Captain America? If you don't know who Josh Keaton is, he has. And just an immense pedigree of voice acting work. Uh, he has done voices for nearly everything in cartoons um, and is tremendously talented. So that that was a really huge uh, uh, a huge uh, choice for Disney. I thought that was a great great thing to do. And uh, Mick Wingert. Uh, taking Tony Stark's voice. Similarly, he has a very large uh, bit of experience, maybe not to the same degree that Mr. Keaton does, but, I mean, you would be potentially surprised if you're not familiar with who he is at the number of voices that he has supplied over the years. Um, and I've always liked his work. Um, and then uh, Lake Bell took uh, Natasha Romanoff. Now, Lake Bell has uh, done some voice work as well. She, you may be familiar with her work as Poison Ivy in the Harley Quinn show, um, but has done quite a few other things. She's done a lot of live action um, uh, movies and uh, television as well. So across the board, 
really good replacements for the people that they couldn't put into the same roles. But ultimately, they they had pretty much everybody. Um, so uh, they were in a great position to maintain that kind of continuity, not only in in uh, timeline, but just what people were already familiar with. Um, now, one of the big things to consider going into something like a, a what if when when I would be reading the comics is to remember it's going to be crazy. Whatever it is is going to go off onto a wild tangent, and you can't you can't think too much about the direction that it goes or be too upset, I should say, about the direction that it goes so long as it follows the rules that were set up within the storyline and the characters and the universe. So every everything tends to be uh, pretty cool uh, along those lines in the comics. I was expecting the same thing for the shows. And I guess that's really... The, the storylines have been okay. If I had to, to give it any... Any general, uh, any general rating, I, I really couldn't until the series is over with. But the five episodes I've watched have had some really nice points, but have also been disappointing uh, to uh, differing levels uh, for each of them. Uh, I know I've talked to a lot of people, and they've said, "Man, this keeps getting better." And for me, it's like, no, it's kind of not. It's it's staying about the same level or, level or actually kind of deteriorating in terms of my enjoyment for it, at least. And this could be completely me. Um, but uh, talking about uh, Captain Carter becoming, let's start at the beginning, Captain Carter becoming um, uh, Captain America instead of Steve Rogers. Um, so the direction that they go was kind of fun. Um, the The fight scenes that they do are really well done. I really liked that part of it. They keep the they keep the characters' chemistry very well. the The feel of the episode felt right. There were some small things here and there that I thought were just kind of, again, a little off, not quite right. Um, things like um, uh, uh, Tony Stark's dad creating essentially the iron mon- uh, the iron monger armor early in World War II. There was not really any sort of expectation that that should have been possible um, or even likely from what had already existed in the MCU up until this point. I mean, Howard Stark was clearly a a genius in, in a lot of ways, but he never showed that level of, um, that level of skill. At least I hadn't seen it. Uh, maybe it was to be inferred. So it's, it's a small thing. It's like, well, okay, that could kind of work, I guess. Um, it was, it was. I mean, I, I had the least amount of problems in terms of little things with that episode out of all of the five of them, actually. I think that was maybe pretty much it. And that's kind of a small gripe. Uh, the storyline was fun. They had her yanked through time like Steve Rogers would have been. That was kind of fun. I mean, it was it was a, it was a really good start for the series. I felt, um, and then going into the second episode where um, T'Challa becomes uh, Star Lord instead. Um, so first of all, having uh, some more Chadwick was really nice. Um, it's it's kind of sad to think that this is kind of the last 
last bit that we're going to be able to see of such a magnificent actor, this uh, bit of voice work, but it was, it was just nice to hear. Um, I had some more problems with this particular episode uh, than, than the others, and most of it wasn't huge stuff. Uh, again, kind of nitpicky, but um, convincing Thanos that he was on the wrong path with an argument would normally be a big deal because that's my favorite character is the Thanos uh, character in the comics. But the movie Thanos is not the same as the comics Thanos. So it's like, all right, it seems unlikely somehow that this would happen, but sure. And I kind of liked the direction that they went with that. But having the dynamic between T'Challa and Yondu be so drastically different uh, than uh, the original uh, Star-Lord and Yondu seems, I don't, I don't know, just off. At first I thought it was like, oh, that's kind of insulting. It's like, oh, he didn't, he didn't treat the kid as nice because reasons. Uh, it's just something that was clearly left out that we have to kind of infer. But it just kind of seemed crappy. <laughs> <laughs> not a not a nice way to go. Um, the way that it affected the universe was a little weird. Um, the Collector in the comics is a potentially very dangerous character. The Collector as presented in the MCU as a buffoon. There is no reason that he should have filled that power void, would have wanted to fill the power void, that was a big leap in that particular episode to go down. It seemed kind of odd. Um, also, the end of the episode where um, where Ego catches up with his son uh, on Earth. Uh, no, that, that also doesn't quite track. Because the only reason Ego found him in the first place is because of his interaction with the Power Gem uh, along with the other Guardians which did not happen in this reality. There is no reason for him to think to come to Earth that I can think of. I mean, it, it's a stretch. Not that he would come to Earth, but he would come to Earth at that point. Seems kind of odd. Um, so, I mean, again, pretty nitpicky. A mostly fun episode where there was a lot of little fun bits. Um yeah, you know, so the first two episodes I, I had pretty good feelings about. And then then I just kind of, it felt lacking in, in the in the back three. Um, uh, the, the next episode goes a lot darker, and a lot of times the What If comics would do the same thing. So it was kind of to be expected that it would take a dark turn. Um, it, it just seemed kind of the the next episode was a little flat in some places um i didn't like the way they presented the hank pym character in the mcu even if he lost his daughter in the way that they wrote it to happen in this episode it doesn't really track that he would go on a vengeful killing spree that's a pretty huge jump considering the way that he looked at the world up until that point. I mean, would he take vengeance? Yeah, probably so, but it would be more of a destruction of property sort of a thing or stopping your schemes, not a random killing people sort of thing. 
Now, that's not to say that the Hank Pym character can't be evil. In the comics, there are some storylines that go that route, but there's a lot of buildup and a lot more happens than just that to cause it. Um, so it's just kind of, yeah, that, that didn't work. And even without the Avengers, uh, a couple of days for Loki to, a day or two for Loki to take control of the entire planet, even with, even with the superior technology, the numbers that the Asgardians have uh, are not that numerous. Uh, if you do uh, get the opportunity, take a look at our uh, pop culture death count. Uh, I did a death count for every MCU film, uh, including all of the Thors and everything else. And we track the population. They actually give the population for how many Asgardians uh, died in the calamities that occurred in the Loki television show. So if those numbers are accurate, like I said, even with the technological, um, the technological foot up that he had, I don't think that it would have been that quick. Um, I'm sure it was just to wrap the story up to get to the point where they could go, Oh, I'm going to form the Avengers anyway. Uh, okay. But again, it just, it didn't sit right. Um, so there were, there were some odd things. Also, I know that the MCU handles the characters differently than the comics do. Um, but while I was okay with the way they killed Iron Man, I was okay with the way they killed Hawkeye. I was mostly okay with the way they killed Thor. The way that they killed uh, the Hulk? No, no, doesn't work that way. At least it would take a lot more than that to, to turn him into goo. Um, and turning him into goo isn't enough. Uh, you then have to burn the goo and separate the burnt remains of the goo and put them in different jars, and even that doesn't necessarily help because it will reform. Uh, so I, I guess it's one of those things where the MCU is different, but it just seemed like they just needed to get past it real quick. Well, we, for plot reasons, he needs to die. So big heart, okay. And uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, the Doctor Strange episode, uh, I was really looking forward to, uh, where he loses his girlfriend instead of his hands, and that's what causes him to become uh, the Sorcerer Supreme. But because of that, he can't let go when she dies, because it's it's an anchor point in time, which doesn't match most of the other stuff that they've already talked about with how time works and how reality works. But okay, sure, it's an anchor point for that reality that he has to become Doctor Strange and she has to die for it to happen. Uh, uh, with that in mind, the episode is interesting. Uh, it does reveal the capabilities of, of where Doctor Strange could go and how dark he can go, which that was nice. I thought that was done very, very well. Uh, being able to recognize the presence of the Watcher was kind of cool, um, but it just... The split of the soul seems not quite right the way that the Ancient One uh, decided to try and handle things. It seems a little off. Again, seems very plot hammer. Um, uh, uh, little deus ex machina. 
we need a reason. So, cuz. Eh, no, that doesn't seem quite right. Um, it's not that there aren't necessarily precedents in the comics. Uh, uh, Doctor Strange has split his spirit into pieces before, but there has not been any sort of precedent in the MCU for that to be the case. And because of the depowering of basically everything that they do, it seems a little out of place. Um, but, you know, again, kind of small things. So I, I had my my hopes lifted with this episode. I thought it was a little bit better um, in some respects. Uh, it was just kind of maybe not as... It didn't have as much of an impact on me as I hoped that it would, but it was still good. And then... I had high, well, I, I won't say I had high expectations for the zombies episode, but it, I love the Marvel zombie stuff, so I really wanted it to be good. Uh, and it was okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, the the biggest problem with, with this is since they don't have access to all of the characters just from a licensing side of things to begin with, and then we haven't seen all of them in the MCU to begin with, it's hard to have the full impact that the Marvel Zombies had in the comics in the uh, animated version that they did. It was it was pretty good. It had some funny moments. Um, they had some great little nods to the comics where T'Challa had his leg cut off, just like in the comics, just for different reasons. Uh, they... Everything was kind of, you know, there were several little little nods here and there for that purpose. Uh, but it just, it was just not not what I hoped it would be, I guess. It, it was okay. Uh, it was kind of nice to see the Avengers kind of just dismantle, uh, I believe it was Eben Ma and, uh, and his compatriot uh, at the beginning. But Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet would not have been infected. Even with just two of the stones, it's if if the Hulk could not be infected by being bitten and Thanos beat the snot out of the Hulk in the movies, how exactly would he have been infected? And if he was infected, why would he have continued gathering the stones? And there were just, again, little little bits of logic that just didn't follow. Um, again, it's little nitpicky things there, but uh, again, it's those kind of things can just take me out of it completely. Now, um, hopefully everyone else will have enjoyed that more than I did, <laughs> or as much or more, uh, but we would love to get your thoughts. Uh, respond to us on social media. We are, of course, on Twitter, on, on Facebook, and on Instagram. You cannot escape the Pudding Guys. We are everywhere. Uh, we always try and respond whenever somebody uh, posts something up because we love the interaction. Uh, next week, we are going to get back to the history of comic book movies with part of 2017, getting close to the end there. And uh, coming up, we'll be having some fun episodes, including talking about what happened at Gen Con. We'll have a special guest for that episode, so long as everything goes smoothly. Uh, we'll have some other really fun stuff coming up. Until next time, keep having fun and watching comic book movies. Mm -hmm.